1: All right, guys, my guest with me today uh, is Derek Johnson, expert in personal and business business leadership, in military technology industry veteran, with two decades of sales and business development experience in the high-tech world, trusted advisor to C-level decision makers and executives in business, being quoted and cited in publications such as Inc investors business daily network world cnet news and pc world just to name a few with appearances on radio and television programs like business update the future of the internet and others on the advisory board uh, an advisory board member of university of california riverside public speaker on leadership development and author of the book the wisdom of leaders Derek, happy to have you on man how you doing great
0: to have you on brother i love what you're doing man thank you flattered to be
1: here cool man well, we'll just get right into it, man. If you want, man, just kind of walk us through your past, you know, how you got started, things that went on, you know, many moons ago and we've we'll yep. transitioned into uh, what you're doing today.
0: Yeah, let's do it. So I was born to a World War II veteran. So I was born very late in my father's life and he served with General Patton. My dad was a tank commander uh, and he was with an all black unit called the 761st uh, Tank Battalion. So fast forward to when I was born. Uh, my mom's french italian so my my earliest memories were of my ass getting beat because the the black kids would beat me up because i was part white and the white kids would beat me up because i was part black and um there's that that there's that childhood trauma that you're like you don't fit in so you're you're, you're essentially initially an outsider um and i remember my father going down to to, to speak to the to school principal my dad had a, a hair uh, trigger temper um, oh, I forgot to mention that uh, after my father was done with World War II, he became a mercenary for quite a few years. And, um, so he was, a, he was a hard man, went down to school, talked to the principal, principal basically didn't give crap about what's going on with me. So my dad then finds the best martial arts school in town, enrolls me. And next thing you know, I start kicking, I start fighting back, right. I'm no longer a victim. Yeah. Uh, and so then I started becoming uh, the one who was getting in trouble because I was getting fights. I was in principal's office after school, and, and you know, basically he got called down to, to to the school and he said, "Look," and I'll never forget this. He said to the principal, "He says when you put those animals you call children back on a leash, my son was stop kicking their ass."
1: <laughs> I love it. Yeah. So okay, so kind of dealing with some bullying and whatnot growing up. And you had mentioned uh, English being a second language for you too in our warm-up yeah, chat.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so, uh, so I was born overseas, and I, I come to the U.S. And so, I'm, I'm a mixed race kid. I speak very little English. My actually, I spoke Italian and French. Um, so I'm learning. So, and you know how kids can be. Kids will pick on you for mul- multiple reasons. So they're picking on me because I'm mixed race and I don't speak English. Sure. So I always get my ass whipped left and right. Um, and so this is this was in New York where I you know when people ask me you know where are you from whatever I just say I'm a New Yorker because I spent my formative years in New York um, you know my my godfather was was was, was mobbed up he was mafia um, so we had we had an interesting cavalcade of characters growing up uh, when I was growing up around the house and, and my dad didn't have a regular job because you know I mentioned that he was a mercenary and then he got into um, just different things if you will uh, from from from, from uh, you know gun running and, and smuggling diamonds what have you to to what have you and so you know there were some times when um he got pinched and you know was gone for a few years at a time here and there which made made it rough right that's gone you know and then um you, you know he was <clears throat> he was an interesting man because he was that old generation that didn't talk much i didn't i didn't he never spoke about the war or his years as a mercenary i had to ask right so so one time i asked him i you know i noticed he had like this this long gash right here across his elbow about two inches across i said dad you know what what happened to your elbow i was like a little kid he says oh that was in world war ii and we were (laughs) we were we were in germany or basically it was the ardennes forest right Mm -hmm. and and i found out later that essentially they were coming in if if i recall the history Rescue the 101st Airborne that were pinned down. And they went like something like two days and two nights of like no rest, just going. And Patton had this habit of outrunning supply lines. So, you know, warfare is about logistics. You need fuel, you need food, you need ammo. And what ended up happening was they had outrun their supply lines because Patton was go, go, go. And they 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 hit the Germans, ferocious warfare. In wintertime, cold ran out of ammo, and so what happened was they were fighting hand to hand with with basically knives. And what what this was here that scar was a German bayonet wound. And so then I said, "Well, Dad, what what happened?" And he said, "I'll never forget this." He said, "Well, I'm here, and he's not." Yeah. Done. Wow. Crazy.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a solid generation there, man. I look at the generation coming up these
0: days man and i wonder about the future of america for sure yeah you know i you know i so i i thought about that a lot so i um so we'll jump around here and, and you know if you don't I'm mind yeah. so 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 i was i was with um i was a navy corpsman right and in the navy the, the marine corps get their medics from i'm sorry the marines get their, their medics from the navy right and that's a whole other conversation I love my Marines, by the way, love my Marines. And I was attached at one point to uh, MCRD in San Diego Marine Corps recruit depot. And I was, um, this was early nineties. So I was, I served with the last of the Vietnam era, era uh, Vietnam veterans, Marines. Right. Mm-hmm. And they, they were, they were a hard lot. They were tough. And, and so when you talk about, you know, today's generation back then, the Vietnam era Marines were talking about that generation. Sure. Um, and, and 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 part of it, I think, that, you know, the onus falls on us to 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 raise the next generation how we want them to be. Um, the the uh, the drill instructors, the Vietnam era drill instructors, uh, called called um, the, the, they call them Dinks, the recruits, right? Um, they call the Dinks uh, the Nintendo generation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, because and 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 even while I was there, they'd softened up the training. Um, and so there was a one thing called, um, and any of you Marines out there, you'll remember this, uh, it, they, they call it bridge over Troubled waters. waters well, used to be it's pugil sticks, right? So like the big imagine like the, how would I describe it? Like a big Q-tip with big, big hard pillows in the end, right? Just think of it like an oversized Q-tip, but it hurts when you hit in the head. So it's called bridge over Troubled water. So if you envision, um, uh, there's like this little man-made tiny little pond and, uh, and you have two two ramps that go up to, to, to the top and in the middle the two recruits meet with their pugle sticks mm-hmm. and it's a very narrow beam um, and what happens is is that the winner knocks the loser into the water sure and this water is not it's not heated <laughs> it, it, it's not heated right so so what happens is is that you're in your BDUs or your you're in your, 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 your camis or whatever your dress uniform your battle dress uniform and you, the drill instructors would keep you wet all day. So you would go, because they would do this exercise first thing in the morning and then, uh, and then uh, you would go back, the, the kid, the losers would end up going back and whatever the rest of the evolutions were for the rest of the day, they were wet all day. They weren't allowed to go change. Mm-hmm. So here's what happened though. The next time they did bridge over troubled waters, the kids would lost fought ferociously because they remembered the pain of being cold all day, right, right, mm-hmm. and so, so the marine the, the drone instructors used to call something uh, called Mom, mothers of America. So little Johnny would write his mom, I was wet all day, I was cold all day, you know, writing his letter home and what have you, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I guess one of the mothers was connected to a senator or something, and I remember right before I I um, got orders to go to go to another duty station. Um, they drained the water out and filled it up with sawdust.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, because little Johnny was cold and wet and his mom was connected and that was it. So, so, so you know, when we talk about the generations being softer than the preceding generation, you know, we bear part of that responsibility. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. yep. Yeah, I got to keep that in mind as I'm raising boys here. Um, so, if I could just delve a little bit into like the past, as far as the bullying and you know getting beat up for all that stuff when you were in your younger younger years, would you say that clearly caused like uh, maybe some self esteem, self confidence issues? Oh yeah, kind of okay,
0: massive, ma- massive because you, because you know you're getting teased because you don't speak the language, you're getting teased because you don't look the same as everyone else. You, again, you know if you're getting Think about this for a second. So black kids are kicking your ass because you're part white. The white kids are kicking your ass because you're part black. And then you're getting all in between. And so, so, and you're not, I don't know if they do this anymore, but if you're you get picked for like dodgeball or any sport or whatever, and you don't get picked. Sure. It messes with your head. Oh Yo, yeah, absolutely. It, it messes with your head badly.
1: At what point in the martial arts training in your early years, did you realize that there was power within you and how did that begin to shape boosting your self your self confidence and your self esteem? Oh, that's a good
0: question. Um, when I got jumped by two guys, and I beat the oh' Yeah, good. Sorry, I beat the shit out of them. And I ended up in, in a principal's office, and my father was actually proud of me. Right. Uh, you know, and I got, I got the whole, you know, detention for a few weeks on that crap and, you know, cleaning Mm -hmm. the campus and he, he didn't care. I didn't care. He was proud of me, but Mm -hmm. I felt, I felt, I no longer felt like a victim. Yeah. And that was transformative for me, but that stuff stays with you. Right. Because, because I think that, that, that we're, we're, we're forged at a young age. And, and so it stays with you. So I got, you know, later on, I got into weightlifting I stay with martial arts. I studied three different styles of martial arts. I, 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 I was a late bloomer. Um, so I'm six four now and 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 um, two seventy. But um, uh, you know, and I was like, a saw two thirty in the military. Uh, so, but but I didn't grow like that till like the last two years of high school, and I grew another two inches after high school. Mm-hmm. But but the, the the shift was not being a victim anymore.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that. Um, at what point in this did you get turned on towards this quest for leadership and developing leadership skills within yourself?
0: My father, he, my father was, he was, he was a, he was a hard man. He was tough. He had, he had an eighth grade education, but was wicked smart and extremely well-read self-taught. Um, and you know, he got kicked out of eighth grade because he got in a fight with someone and, and got expelled and then, and then he had to work and, and then the milk, and then World War II came around and he got drafted and what have you. But, um, he, m- my father was an avid reader and he was, he, he, his experience in World War II seared his soul, right. In that he had, he spoke with tremendous respect about this, you know, I'm a kid, this guy, this, this patent guy, who's his patent. Um, in, a, in, a, in a, almost with reverence. And I thought that was really interesting. So I'll remember this. I did my very first school report. Remember when you are a kid and you did your first book report, school report, right? I did my very first one on General Patton. And, and, and part of the reason was I was genuinely curious about that and about him and who was this man that my father revered because i revered my father. My father is like a god to me. Yeah. And so that started me on the path. And my middle name is Wellington, um, which which is derived from the Duke of Wellington, who defeated Napoleon at the Battle of Waterloo. Um, and and so I, I was always curious about that that leadership, great generals. Why why did my father hold this man in such reverence? And that that's what actually triggered that. That was a catalyst.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So staying on that
0: vein here, like this, basically
1: this entire podcast after digging through your stuff, which I went a little deeper this morning and I was like, uh, wow, like I've got a, I got a heavy hitter on today. And I'm really like, again, like I say, I'm thankful that it came on. Let me ask you about leadership in that.
0: Do you believe leaders are born or can they be made? Great question. And and that was something that I looked a lot into because I was curious about it too. And We used to always think that they were that they were born, right? And the research shows that uh, there's there's a genetic component for thirty percent. So, and I won't get into I won't geek out on you here, but the 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 gist of it was that there was this long range study done with twins, and to see who had the, the the genetic component if there was such a thing for leadership meaning you know the the guy who rounds up the the buddies and they play the game or becomes the captain of the football team or whatever it is right um and and they and they were able to figure out that there's a genetic component on the uh the eighth chromosome which is bizarre when you think about it so that's 30 percent going deeper though what about the other 70 percent? and that comes from training evolution commitment growth what have you so yeah, while there's about a 30% chance that there's some of us who are born leaders, if you want to become a leader, you can become if you make the commitment to it.
1: Yeah, no, oh, I like that, man. Like this is gonna, I got a ton of questions written down and your answers are gonna open up more questions that I don't have written down. So let me That's ask okay, you Let's this. do it. Um, for a person that maybe has that, that gene, that genetic, yeah. that genetic uh, predisposition to leadership, If they grow up in a home or in an environment where there is tremendous amount of bullying or tremendous amount of abuse and their self-confidence, self-esteem, self-worth, self-image, maybe even their self-identity becomes trashed as a result of just environmental issues from how they're growing up and they stay stuck in that, would you say that there are a large portion of people that could be great leaders? But because of their environment, how they were raised and what they've gone through, they are stuck in a place where those leadership skills are never going to be on display because of the trauma that happened to their mentality in the formative years of their youth and adolescence. Yeah,
0: great question. Yes. And there's two parts to that. So the first part is, yeah, it's, it's like a, a stunted plant that, that didn't get the right amount of sunshine, didn't get the amount right of water right? Because the soil was wasn't rich, fertile. So there's that component. But but here's what's even worse, though. Uh, What you just just described is how uh, Hitler's uh, childhood was and Stalin's childhood was. Yeah, right. So they they had that innate drive, that charisma to pull people in. You know, what most people don't know about Stalin was that he was essentially a bank robber, Mm -hmm. which is how he funded the initial Communist Party. And he was also quite charismatic. And a lot of the money that he got when he wasn't robbing banks was from basically seducing rich older women. Wow. Yeah. We don't get to hear that stuff in history class, but it's fascinating. But yeah, to your point, you just described Stalin to the T. So the danger is that if someone has that genetic component to be a good leader, it's either completely snuffed like a candle or they become somewhat of a psychopathic leader like a Stalin. Yeah. And, and, but but in a small, it, it, but it could be not obviously on a national on a national level, it could be just a, a tyrant within an organization. Yeah, yeah. So if a person uh, either
1: has that genetic component or they're just perfectly capable of becoming and developing great leadership skills, and they go through that traumatic, oppressive environment growing up. and then later on in life, they get away from that, whether it's, you know, let's just say, abuse at home or bullying in school years later like in your case you end up growing up now you're six four and 270 and people aren't bullying you anymore and you have this space or this cushion around you where none of that's going on anymore and you have a wake-up moment where you're like you know what I can be anything I want to be people can begin to develop leadership skills at that point and still see that destiny realized of being a great leader yes yes to that okay yeah
0: yeah absolutely Yes.
1: Okay. So
0: with you
1: being like, like your point in what you do is leadership and developing leadership and people through your books, your speaking engagements and everything that you're involved in your work with the uh, University of California, Riverside and all that. Why would you say that developing leadership
0: skills is essential? Because it, it's the foundation of our society. It's explain that. Well, so, so, so leadership goes... You, right? We'll get into that in a little bit. It starts with you leading yourself. Okay. Then it goes to leading your family. Mm-hmm. Then being a leader in your community and at large. I mean, all all a society is is what a whole lot of families together. Yeah. So so it's 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 great leadership is truly a foundational aspect of our society, and we've gone away from that because we don't teach. I don't think we've ever taught leadership. Maybe maybe we did a long long time ago. Right, right. And in, in, you know, in the preface to my book, I talk about I talk about when uh, when the when the, when the uh, thirteen colonies came about. We had you had Madison and Jefferson and, and Washington and, and, and all those guys and Franklin and those people, right? Um, and they were all fantastic leaders in their own way. And and just 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 a quick aside. Did they have their faults? Absolutely. And we can get into that conversation later. Um, but but when, the, you know, when you think about the 13 colonies, I think the population was two and a half, three and a half million people, I forget now, but something like that. And you had these these, these men, like again, Madison and, 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 and Jefferson and Franklin and Washington, what have you. And if you extrapolate that to what we have a population now, but in the US 370 million, you've got about 7.8 billion in the world. Where's the leadership? Right. Yeah, there is a glaring omission of leadership in the
1: world today. And uh, I've even noticed that people are looking for it. There have been times in my own life where, especially when I've been going through very dark seasons, you know, where I'm struggling with things internally, psychologically, emotionally, like I'm in a bad place. And I'll just be sitting in the quiet of the morning with like a cup of coffee because my relationship with my dad isn't good it could be, but for whatever reason, it's not. And, uh, you know, maybe one day, one day I'm going to make the first move on repairing that, but there have been many moments where I have sat and said, I wish, I wish I had a dad right now. I wish I had a strong masculine leadership figure in my life that I could draw from, that I could learn from, that I could emulate, that I could pour my heart out to that I could have disciple me. You know what I mean? And help me with that. And I've also even noticed, um, as you start going up that pyramid, that tier, of leadership skills, even great leaders that I've met on my journey through life, I've learned are also looking for leadership in their lives. Even leaders want leadership in their lives.
0: It's like almost like a human need. It know? is. Well, yeah, we're, well, we're, we're, we're tribal creatures. Iron sharpens iron, right? Right. Uh, and and you, you, you said something about your relationship with your father. <clears throat> My father died of lung cancer around 16 and and that left a just a hole in my soul man i mean just yeah. damn and i went whew, i i didn't get into drugs but i self-medicated with alcohol and and, and sex yeah. right and we and we all have our different things and we, we when we go through trauma we self-medicate with different ways right it could be drugs it could be sex it could be gambling uh Whatever it is, alcohol. There's a myriad of ways you can self-medicate, uh, and for me, it was it was uh, it was that it was it was girls and booze. You know, I was lost. I spun out, um, and and uh, you know, I, I remember stumbling into the the library one time. <laughs> Seems so antiquated to talk about going to the library, right? It's at the school mm-hmm. library, and and I just wanted to be alone, and 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 I wanted to be somewhere quiet. And I was just having a really bad day. To your point, I was in a bad way. And the library I knew was always quiet. And, and not, not a lot of people went there. And I stumbled across a, a thin little book uh, called Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. It yeah. was considered, considered one of the five great Caesars, right? Yeah. Um, so most, most in history, there's the Caesars get a bad rap as being tyrants, but Marcus Aurelius was a very thoughtful, he was a stoic. He was a compassionate leader. You mentioned servant leader You know, in your questions earlier. Um, and so that, that became my first mentor. Marcus Aurelius was my first mentor and if you see the bookshelves behind me um, I've got four more in front of me and I got um, God knows every year I will donate some you know a few boxes of books to my local library of of uh, the books that I don't think I'll read again but I've got the information and I'm ready to move on right those became my father figures sure
1: okay yeah that that's kind of leading into the next question here um And I guess you and I both know that it doesn't, it's powerful information. If one's willing to go out and look for it. I have been an avid reader myself since my wake up call and realizing that I need to learn. I needed to learn about myself, about the world around me, about why I was so broken, you know, and try to put all the dots together, but going into, um, and I know books are gonna be part of the answer, but when a person's ready, to begin to develop their leadership qualities, whether it's at work or whether it's managing a wife and a couple kids, or even themselves, just managing and meeting themselves. Yeah. What does the process
0: of leadership development look like practically? Practically, it it, it does start with yourself. <laughs> you, you, you have to start with yourself pragmatically because essentially part of leadership is, is getting people to get to a place that they couldn't see themselves going normally right um so so starting here leading yourself uh meaning you know i tell my wife this i joke about this you know uh discipline not motivation because if, if i would if i worked out when i was motivated i probably would work out admittedly maybe three times a, a month tops yeah the rest of the time it's discipline so so when you when you can discipline yourself when you can when you can lead yourself to change and you understand the process of individual change then it's easier to then help be an example for your family because you're living the example you're setting the standard right Right. and then once once you have you can do that within your family and and i'm saying that in a a perfect circumstance because every family is different right then you can you can affect change at work. So, so there, there's two kinds of leadership. There's, there's leadership uh, by position and there's leadership by authority and, you know, leadership by position is you're the boss. You've got the title, you've, you've got manager after your name or whatever it is. And people have to listen to you follow your orders because you have the title. They may do it reluctantly. They may do it half assed, but they have to, cause you're the quote unquote, the boss, the leader leadership by authority is you not only walk the, or talk to talk, you walk the walk, you set the standard. you set the example. Um, and what happens is if you do that long enough that people around you will realize, all right, this guy's solid or this gal is solid, and they are someone I can respect and follow and what have you. And what's gonna happen is that in any organization, there's always gonna be some politics, right? People jockeying for position. Uh, And again, we're a very tribal species, right? Um, When you get to the point where people respect you at work regardless of whether or not you have the title, it reduces friction in terms of you getting your job done because you can bring people with you to a common goal to achieve something regardless if you're the manager, the boss, the owner, whatever. That's way more powerful than just having a title. Yeah, no, I like that,
1: man. That opened up three things that I wanted to ask you about. That if we could go just a little bit deeper. So you were talking about discipline over motivation, and I've heard that thrown around in a couple of different places. This just this last year, and this whole personal growth and development for, for me is relatively new, um, and I'm an avid consumer of it because I'm learning so much about myself and about you know how the mind works and all this. But you were saying, discipline yourself, because there'll be times, basically what I'm getting at it, is there'll be times where motivation can't carry you, but discipline will. Let's say you've got a guy who, who didn't have a good grow up or a good raise, and discipline wasn't taught into him, whether it was his fault or his parents' fault or an unfortunate mix of both. And this person is very impulsive, so to speak. You know, when they're right. hungry, they eat whatever they want. They don't care if it's healthy. When uh, when they're horny, straight to porn tub, uh, porn hub. They don't care right. about morality. When they're right. when right. they want, when they're depressed, they go right to the bottle. Right. You know, like every move they make is based on impulse, not on virtue, so to speak. But they realize one day this is hindering me, not helping me, and I need to develop some self-discipline. What are some practical, real-time tactics that a person can begin to implement on a small scale in their own life to begin to
0: develop personal self-discipline? We can, we can talk about that at a high level on, on a deeper level, like it it's really into your neurochemistry. Okay. Right. So, so super fast example when, when we're under a lot of stress and in the modern world is not, we're not designed for the modern world. So let's, let's take a step back here. Right. You think about the modern industrial era is what, maybe a hundred years or something, right? right. 150, yeah. Let's say, let's say 1850. Let's go way back. Right. Steam engines, 150 years. We're not hardwired for that. And what you talked about was more about y- 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 your basically impulse drive, right? Eat, right. sleep, procreate. Yeah. Um, so, so the challenge is that when we're stressed, our cortisol levels go up, right? In the modern world puts us, exposes us to a lot more constant stress than we're supposed to, because if you think back to the hunter gatherer times, it was fight or flight, you, you know, you and your tribe are trying to chase down an animal so you can guys, so your tribe can eat tonight and what have you. Um, so there's that stress level there. Maybe there's a a, a warring tribe that, that's coming over and there's that fight or flight response then, but then it dissipates quickly, right? right. The battle's over, you lick your wounds, you count the dead and, and see the survivors, but it dissipates. The modern world exposes us to this constant low level humming stress that becomes, it's it's so pervasive, we're not even aware of it all the time, right? But mm-hmm. it's like the death of a thousand cuts, you're like, shit, I got to pay this bill and that bill. Oh man, I forgot this one. I got, you know, oh, you got to drop the kids over this activity or that activity. Now that, you know, uh, the boss is acting up because he, you know, he's in the process of divorce. So he's taking his junk on you. Right? right. Um, what happens is our cortisol levels go up and when our cortisol levels go up, we start craving things that make us feel good to give us, you know, that serotonin boost. And, and so for me, for example, um, it could be desire for sex or food, carbs. Sure. carbs push cortisol down. By the way, right? right? Right. Or I want to um have sex, which is interesting, because when my wife is stressed out, she does not want to have sex.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, welcome to the club, bro. We're good here. I think that's universal.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. And that's 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 God's cruel joke on us. But anyway. So so, 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 so to your to your point, and I you know, appreciate you indulging me on that. So there's there's a neurochemistry involved, right? Right. In that we're trying to you can't use willpower to tamp down the cortisol. Now, here's another thing: willpower is. I want you to think of your willpower to say no to something as a gas tank, right? And the more you use your willpower, the more it depletes that tank. Think sure. of it, right? You start the day, you have a full tank of willpower. You say no to porn, um, you just decreased it a little bit. You said no to having those donuts at work, you just decreased it a little bit. You said no to strangling the shit out of someone at work who really should have gotten strangled, right? right. And, I, and I'm not joking about this, it's serious, there's so there's no. some, right? There's <laughs> gonna be some times when you're like, I just wanna choke the shit out of this guy and he deserves it, but you can't because you don't wanna go to jail and lose your job, right? That's legit. You're, so so what happens is you're depleting your self-control, your willpower tank. And what ends up happening is when most of us fall off the wagon, if you will, it's after we've completely depleted that tank. Right. And that's what's dangerous for us. Right. So, and I'm taking a very long way to answer your question. So bear no, with me. Oh, it's good.
1: Please do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so, so one of the things we have to do is we have to be aware of, okay, where's my willpower tank right now? I might not have much left. I don't want to expose myself to anything that might get me in trouble. Right. Like, um, so I live here in Las Vegas and, um, and so I need you to get had, in trouble
1: there.
0: <laughs> yeah. You, 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 Yeah. And and so, so we had the, Los, the the Raiders move here and it's been like one, one thing after another with this team, because you have these young guys with a mm-hmm. lot of money and not a whole lot of self-control yeah. and a lot of pressure and you have everything at your doorstep. Yeah. And I've lost track of how many DUIs they've had. They had that 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 idiot who who killed that poor girl because he was going too fast. And I mean, it's just been one thing after another with the guys here because they're young and don't have the self-control. You have to understand where's your where's your your willpower tank in any given time and realize, hey, it's been a rough day, a rough week, a rough month. I need to make sure that I stay the hell away from anything that's gonna trigger something in me that's bad. Okay. Okay.
1: So like you're screaming to the choir here on that one because i'll get up in the morning and i'm a morning person like at the up and getting ready for the gym at 3 a.m pre-workout supplement i'm at the gym at 3 30 i do my two-hour workout i come home do some reading you know some prep for podcast or brand boosting or something like that get to work i've got tons of energy when i get home whether it's five, six, seven, or 8 o'clock at night all of my good intentions that i had that morning things that in the morning were right, true, righteous, and needed to be done in the evening, well, it's just not so important anymore, you know, like the way I eat or helping my wife around the house or something like that, or being a good dad and connecting with my kids because physically I'm tapped, but also the willpower to do what I determined that morning is also tapped. So with that said, is there a way to boost the tank
0: later Mm -hmm. in the day? Yeah, and this is hard, but you need some time to just sit and be quiet with nothing. Okay. And, okay. and it, now I meditate. You can if you want. Um, and and I'm not talking any woo-woo stuff. I'm just talking sit down, close your eyes, you know, somewhere dark, quiet, and just focus on your breathing. That okay. You know. And as as one thought comes, just acknowledge it and let it go. Like it's imagine like it's a thought like floating on a river. Right? Sure what the problem is is when we try to clear our minds is we lock on something like oh crap i got i gotta do the i taxes or whatever it is you know mm-hmm. and you lock on that and then you start going down that rabbit that rabbit hole when, when you're trying to clear your mind it's realize that you're never gonna empty your mind that's okay it's it's latching on to the thoughts that pulls us down so so a thought comes you let it go just like it's yeah. on a stream right it's you're sitting there in front of a stream and the thought comes and you let it go. Yeah. Right? And what'll end up happening is the more you do that, two things will happen one There'll be a greater length of time between those thoughts, but two, it helps replenish your tank. Sure. Because what happens is when you, when you get a chance to just no, no, no phone, no texting, no email, no wife, no kids. If you can take in a perfect world, be 20 minutes. Yeah. If you could take that 20 minutes for yourself to be in a dark room with nothing and just be and focus on your breathing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and, and you'll feel like your tanks replenishing. that's very powerful get you another hour or two in the evening before
1: you wind down
0: yeah at least at least yeah and and um the the other part though is is you know what you mentioned about the the morning routine the ritual all that it's really good too because you know we have when we're young we have this operating system that's 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 been essentially put inside us it's a cultural operating system it's it's societal can be religion it could be whatever it is your parental operating system and Mm -hmm. i'll give you one real quick right kid was taught as a kid don't talk to strangers strangers are dangerous right all right so when you're a little kid good stuff right can save your life maybe when you're a kid but that operating system needs to be upgraded because now this kid's like 18 19 20 and he sees a girl what is she she's a stranger Sure. tongue-tied strangers are dangerous can't approach her right he or he gets into sales Strangers are dangerous. I can't talk to someone I've never talked to, right? So that operating system no longer serves you. Mm-hmm. And we have to continuously upgrade our operating system. That's the challenging part. But the good news is that there's a thing in our brain called neuroplasticity. Our brain can change. It can grow. Yeah. It can create new neural pathways, right? So the more you do something, the more it becomes ingrained in you. So so if we were to take a scan of your brain when you first started working out and the neural pathways that lead to the discipline of working out in the morning and, and, and whatever your morning routine is at first, it's, it was probably hard. The more you do it, you create these new neural pathways. And, you know, I heard, I heard a neurologist describe it. Like when you're creating a new habit, it's like a, it's like a, a dirt road. Mm-hmm. And the more you do it, the, the neural pathways get bigger it now it becomes a two-lane road and then it becomes a two-lane freeway and then it becomes a four-lane freeway. Mm-hmm. So it, get, it becomes so ingrained in you that, you're, that, that that helps to create those neural pathways so that you, re, you need less of that drive. And and even if your willpower tank is a little bit lower, you're mm-hmm. still gonna show up. There's some days, so I live out here around the outskirts of the desert, right? I love where I live. Um, a little side note, be out in nature if you can. There's something about being in a mountain, if possible, and I know that not everyone can do that, but but mm-hmm. being out in nature, away from concrete and the weed whackers and the constant hum of machines and and the dinging of your phone, if you can be out in nature at least once a month, I do it regularly. It's mm-hmm. going to go a long ways towards towards revitalizing you. There's something about going back to remember this is thousands of years. That's where we lived. Yeah, we didn't live in the comfort of a permanently, you know, whatever, 74 degree temperature controlled environment with a, a cushy seat under my ass. That's, mm-hmm. that's not us. So, so it's, it's building new neural pathways of habits. That's right. the, that's the discipline the motivation. It's the be aware of where you are. Hey, where's my self-controlled gas tank today, mm-hmm. this month, this week? Uh, you, you know, when, when, um, <laughs> when, when, before I lived here and I come on business trips, um, one of the things I would do if I thought I might get myself in trouble is I, I would watch important. And I pleasure myself mm-hmm. because that way I'm not going to go out and get in any trouble with any girls around the business trip. Right. I don't do that. I don't need to do that anymore. Sure. Right. Um, cause that's just, I've, it's just not important to me like it used to be. And that's a whole other conversation. Sure. But, but that's how I like, okay, Mm, you know I, the temptation no nope, took care of it out now i go out i just go out and have a you know dinner at the hotel bar have a drink go back to my room i'm good right because yeah. i used to be in vegas a lot for business before i lived here
1: mm-hmm. yes yeah, that that desire is already out of you so to speak Boom. i like what i like what you said about um the meditation and mm. you had described it not being like you know esoteric and channel your lower chakra and all this other stuff but just a quiet the quietness and letting the thoughts come in and as they come, let them go. There's somebody really special to me that I have in my life that I think when the thoughts come, they hold on to them for way longer than they need to. And doing that actually depletes the tank more. Now that yes, I think about it, it does. Because yeah. you're dwelling on things, much of it, probably things that you can't change. So yeah. not only are you depleted from just the daily grind of events, But when you're thinking about these things that are stacking up on you, it's almost like you're continually living them, living them in real time. and It continues to drain. Now, I like
0: that. Yeah, it will drain you. And and let me add something real quick about about your your neurology. One of the things that most people don't realize is that your brain only weighs about four pounds, right? Mm. But it consumes 25% of the glucose and oxygen we take in every day. It consumes 25% of all the oxygen and glucose we take in. Cause remember all the food we eat gets broken down to the smallest components of glucose. So mm-hmm. it can absorb for energy, right? The oxygen too. So if we've had a particularly stressful day when we've had to use our brain more, problems at work or, or whatever's going on, that's gonna deplete your tank too. And you have to be aware of that. You have to be cognizant of that. Like today was a particularly stressful mental day. It's taxing. I need to make sure that I don't, I stay away from anything that might trigger Behavior I'm trying to avoid, right, right, and and uh, there was some research that showed that grand chess grandmasters, when they were in a tournament where they play game after game after game, and you've seen them, they're not bulky, they'll burn through five thousand calories a day. It's insane when you think about that from the neural processes.
1: Just associated with trying to play
0: that chess match. Yeah, because your yep. brains, because the, the neurons firing off you so much oxygen, glucose, and if you're, you're having at work a particularly intense day, you know, the grandmaster chess is an extreme example. Sure. But, but you, we have to be aware of what's going on in our bodies and our minds and where we exposing ourselves to what's the limit. It's, there was, I mean, I'm going to go off on a tangent, so indulge me here for a second. There was, there was a study done about, um, it wasn't called PTSD back then, it was uh, called battle fatigue, Right. Um, with soldiers and stress. And, and it was actually done by uh, a guy named Lord Moran. He was actually a doctor and he was, he was actually Winston Churchill's doctor. And he was trying to figure out what it is about guys who crack in combat. And he found something that was very counterintuitive. And we're not talking about the, the, the typical, he was a coward and this guy's brave or whatever, right? What he found was that every man, no, no matter how courageous he had been prior, reaches breaking point.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: if they weren't given a chance to decompress and sent back behind enemy lines or back home off the lines for, you know, we call it the R&R, rest and relaxation, rest and recovery. Because mm-hmm. you get to a point where you could be the most badass, courageous man, woman, whatever, but you get to a point where you've depleted yourself of everything. You need chance to recharge your, your soul, your batteries, your mind, whatever it is. And that's the other part of this world that we live in. It's all go, 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 grind, grind, grind. And we don't talk enough about rest and recovery, recuperation. Again, an integral part of my life is going out to these mountains here in the desert. I might run them, I might walk them, but but I'm being in nature and I get a chance to get the hell away from the binging, the buzzing, the vibrating phones, the weed whackers and all that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And it gives me solace. Yeah, my life coach um, that I just
1: did a 10 week transformation uh, life coaching regiment with. he's constantly posting videos of himself in the mountains up in Phoenix and I think that's his place you know like there that's you go. he goes yeah. and just gets that solitude and whatnot. Getting back to discipline, yeah. uh, Derek, if I could. so um, for myself, I realized that there is a lot of discipline at work in my life in certain areas, but there's also a lot of impulsiveness in others. And I want to develop the neuroplasticity to be disciplined, to be more disciplined, because the more disciplined you are, the the more you make those uh, less than reputable choices that end up hindering you, You even if it's just simple laziness, you know what I mean? So I've incorporated these little discipline routines into my day for the purpose of just developing generic general discipline. So um, I experimented with this this last month. And it's something that's going to like kick off full force, uh, tomorrow. This is like, and I know people say that I'll be disciplined tomorrow, but no, I've been experimenting with this for like the last four weeks to see if there was anything to it, but the cold shower in the morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Then the exercise routine at the gym every other day with a day of recovery in between. And then, um, not eating until after 2 p.m. And I'm not saying anybody else needs to do this. this so is just something right, that the that intermittent I,
0: fasting, right?
1: Yeah, intermittent yeah. fasting. I'm right. um, not eating until 2 p.m. And then doing this uh, semen retention where I don't indulge uh, sexual drive until the weekends. Okay. Wow, nice. But like and, and, and I put this into practice two different times over the last month just to see if there was any benefit to any of it. And mm-hmm. I saw benefit to it. So I'm like, you know what? This would not only be physically, mentally, psychologically beneficial for me, but it would help me develop the neuroplasticity or the neural pathways in my brain to become more disciplined. Do you think mm-hmm. it would be good for men to pick one, two, three, five small things, even if it's a night ritual where they make their lunches the night before they set an alarm so that it's yes. in the morning, they're not running out the door and wasting all their money at gas stations, you know, have a, have, three or four discipline routines that you do every single day or often, is that the strategy to develop
0: the new neural pathways to be? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, so, so we used to hear, and you probably heard this too, that it takes 21 days, but it's actually, I think it's something like, like 60, right. Okay. To create new habits and neural uh, mm-hmm. to your point, but, 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 but start with one and stick right. with that. Yes, but here, here, here's an important part of that aspect, right? Because you you mentioned being impulsive. We can all be impulsive, right? Um, And again, when we're under a lot of stress, with self medication, we we talk about sex, alcohol, drugs. Uh, Some people are shopaholics. Yeah, right. Some people self medicate in so many different ways: gambling, right? Uh, Take two seconds. Stop for two seconds. Just be conscious, right? Because because we go, we live our life so compulsively. Stop and be conscious. Hey, am I eating because I'm actually hungry? Am I watching this porn site because I'm actually really horny? Or am I doing it because I'm trying to self-medicate? Or yeah. am I doing it because I'm bored or yeah. for whatever reason? But if you stop for just pause for two seconds and be conscious, be conscious of what's going on in that moment, right? So for me, for being to be like the food thing, I'm like, you know, I'll go to go grab something, especially when we're locked down with COVID. Right. And it's mm-hmm. like, Whoa, what am I doing? You know, ask yourself, am I hungry? No porn. Am I really horny? Eh. Right now, to your point about the, the, the sperm retention. Um, I was curious about that. I read up on that. It's very interesting. There's, there's something um, that, um, you know, it comes, it comes back from the yogic tradition and that's, you know, we don't have to go into that if you want to, but, one of the things that that I've read, which really makes sense intuitively is your body takes a lot of energy to create sperm
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And so when we deplete it, we our body needs to create that new batch, if you will. yeah and there's and, and, and our sperm is extremely complex from a genetic sequencing standpoint, right so when when when, and again, yeah, I was guilty because like I said, uh, my, my go-to self-making when I was younger was, was, was sex and then booze. Right. right. Um, and, and God, I can't even imagine what I would have been like if I came up when there was porn, just at the ubiquity of porn everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm going to be 54. So, so porn was my day was one of your buddies found his father's Playboy stash. Right. Or or maybe maybe someone found their dad's VHS porno hidden somewhere. Right, right. I mean that's 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 a different world. Right. So it's it's a much harder world now to when you have access to 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 endless types of porn, endless types of alcohol, endless types of food that you can get whatever Uber Eats or or, or Instacart delivered. Or I mean, Dash, right? Yeah. So we are being inundated with, with access to everything that when I was coming up as a kid, I didn't. So if you really wanted to feed a porn habit, um, if, for me, it wasn't a porn. It was just going out and seducing women to get them in bed. Yeah. It took some more work, <laughs> but you know, not the click of a mouse and next time. And, you know, so, so, so. So we have to be aware that there's a lot more coming at us from every direction and stop, pause. Am I horny? Am I actually hungry? Do I really want to drink? You know, and just that two second pause is often enough to, to, to bring us back into the, Oh, what am I doing? Right. And that's the trick. Yeah. That's the trick.
1: I have people tell me all the time, Hey man, when you're struggling, before you make a bad decision, call me. And I'm like, man, And when I get to that point, like I'm not calling nobody, (laughs) I've already committed at that point, but getting back on leadership, if we could, um, I want to talk about a few things that might hinder leadership. One of them, I think I struggle with the most, not so much at work. Um, I don't know why most men find their glory and their ego at their labor, but at home, I feel like my ability to influence and lead my family is hindered by hypocrisy what would you say being hypocritical does to affect your leadership in a negative way
0: well i mean you know it erodes everything yeah it's 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 yeah i mean it'll instantly erode everything because you know when when kids are little for example they don't they don't you know hear what we say they see what we do right and that's the model um At work, it's the same thing, though. There's, there's, we're riddled with hypocrisy, whether it's at work or in politics, what have you. It's, it's, man, if you're gonna if you're gonna talk to talk, you have to walk the walk. I mean, conversely, it's also how you get people to respect you. Yeah, yeah. You
1: had something in your uh, uh, in your notes uh, that I was going over this morning about as a leader, what does actions over words mean? And I think that ties into that. Yeah,
0: yeah, it does. It's well, it's twofold, right? So, so if you're, if you're a person of, of integrity and honor, right. Then you're going to expect other people to meet you at that level. And so you're going to listen to what they say and expect them to follow up on what they say. And a lot of times they won't. And that derails us and that's in our personal relationships or business relationships or friendships. And you get to a point where you realize no, 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 no. What are their actions telling me? Right for, for you, should, I just I got to the point where I turn off hearing anything that anyone tells me, and I and I'll I'll nod and I'll smile. Oh yeah, okay, good. And then I'm looking: what are their past actions said? What are their current actions saying? And then I can ascertain where their future, what their future actions might be. That's the only thing that means anything to me is your actions. And 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 conversely, my actions too. If I'm not keeping my promises to myself, then I'm a hypocrite. And, and mind you, that here's the thing, right? This isn't. This, there's a difference between between being a hypocrite with regards to to you 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 say one thing to the world and you're doing something else, right? And having a bad day where you're like, "crap, I will supposed to be eating low carbs this week," and I and and I messed up week and I had some pizza, and you get right back on to the next day. That's just being human. You follow me on that? So, so we don't want to beat ourselves up for that. Right. Or, or to your, your point, like let's say the sperm retention thing. Right. And you're stressed out, you had a crazy busy day or whatever it was, or you got yelled at, who knows whatever's going on. And you're like, you went to, you know, a porn site. All right. Don't beat yourself up. That's not being hypocritical. It's, 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 you slip, get back on it the next day. Right. Right. And you'll be okay. Because because you know, I was talking to my neighbor actually the other day. Because he sees me, he thinks I'm crazy, but he knows I do these Spartan obstacle course races right throughout the year. It keeps me on awesome. my training. And uh, he was talking about weight loss, and he put on like about 50 pounds during the whole COVID thing. He wants to lose it, and I said, "Look, you don't have to be in good 365 days a year. If you're on point, 200, 250 days a year, yeah, you're you're gonna get there. Yeah, you know." Because he was telling me about, yeah, I started die then four days and then I cheat and then I'm like, and screw it, right? I'm like, but, but you know you can get back on the next day, right? He's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I never thought of that. Yeah, I think I internalized my own failures way too much. Wait, wait, like- yeah, you're too hard on yourself. You we, we need to allow ourselves to be human because hmm. this world that we live in isn't normal in the way of what our brains haven't had a chance to catch up. From, from an evolution standpoint to the world sure. we live in. It's too fast. Think about mm-hmm. this. Someone wrote an interesting story and they said, do you work more hours than a medieval peasant? Interesting article. Do you work more hours than a medieval peasant? Because what were they doing? Well, they were what? Planting the crops, tilling the ground, all that. And then they'd have a bunch of festivals and marriages and, and what have you until it was time to harvest. We work, we work so much. Yeah. And, 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 and so we, it drives us to a place where this isn't normal behavior. So our responses won't be normal. And, mm-hmm. you know, what I would say to you or anyone else is, Hey, I had an off day. It's okay. There's a many more after this, you know, cause the only, the only day that counts is today. Mm-hmm. Right. And if your day goes off because of whatever reason. Whether again you felt the porn, drinking, alcohol, drugs, whatever, you're like shit. All right. Let me start anew. And that's okay. And then you move on because beating yourself up accomplishes nothing. Guilt accomplishes nothing. It's, I had an off day, let it go, move on. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um,
1: grace, basically, that's grace, giving yourself yes. grace to, to, to yeah. fail and recover.
0: The, yeah. the world, the world. You know, Nick, the world's going to kick your ass. Why should you kick your own ass? <laughs> right, right. right the world's going to do that. The world's going to kick all our asses enough. So you made a mistake. Your day wasn't the way you wanted. Like clean slate the next day. Let it go. Yeah, move on.
1: Oh, that's good. That's good, man. I think that empowers guys uh, that are in the in the fight, so to speak. Because I know there's a large portion of the audience, and if I'm being perfectly honest, man, even myself. Where we're in the fight and we're seeing success, like we're we're taking the mountain, so to speak, but we come under fire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, you want to hunker down and lick your wounds and analyze and overanalyze and ask yourself, is it worth fighting? And can I do I really have what it takes, you know, to become the man that I want to become, to become the apex
0: man that that I feel this longing to become? And you and, will, uh, right? You and forgive the interruption, and you will, but it's a yeah. lifelong thing yeah and we
1: don't see the transformation so even though we are apex because 20 years ago i was living under a bridge in el paso texas with nothing to my name but warrants and dirty needles in my pocket and now where i'm at yes yeah look at you but we don't see that we don't see the
0: transformation because it's lived out over this elongated period of time you know so so the legendary samurai uh miyamoto musashi who was an undefeated samurai um did quite a bit of writing and up until the last days of his life, and he lived until I think like late sixties. Now think about this for a second. The average samurai at that time frame died at twenty five, mm-hmm. right? And and he said uh, he said something to the effect of of um, one thousand days to develop uh, um, and and ten thousand days to, to mastery, mm-hmm. right? Uh, in case you're curious, ten thousand days is twenty seven years. Yeah. to mastery,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? And that's just a reminder that this is a, this is a lifelong process and we're striving to climb this mountain that never ends, but that's okay because we have to find joy in the journey. We have to find joy in the small achievements and little wins. That's it.
1: Yeah. And I think we focus way too much on the
0: failures and so much less
1: on the wins. And I don't know why it's so easy to do that. Why is it so easy to sit down and imagine all
0: the negativity it's a, survi- than- it's a survival mechanism. It is, man. isn't
1: it? It goes it's- back to the caveman membrane, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Because we're because we will focus on what's wrong in this in our environment because that's that it keeps us alive, right? Like I saw a rustling over there in the distance. What is that? And we lock in on that because mm-hmm. it's a survival mechanism. But I told you, like I said, our brains are not evolved for this world that we're in right so we, we're doing the best we can in an imperfect world that's not you know that's all the conversation in terms of the kind of world we want to live in and create for ourselves what have you but mm-hmm. but focus on focus on the wins make the wins bigger in your yeah. mind right and and losses make them smaller darker black and white and silenter or, or more silent excuse me sure right because if you're making these big big movies in your mind's eye of what you did wrong holy shit your part of my is you're mind fucking yourself
1: yeah you'll stay stuck
0: completely because you're replaying this loop right and i think to every time it, you,
1: i think every time you replay the loop you just fire off another neural pathway that cements the idea that you can't wait. yes
0: you're going back to that. And you know, the, the, the the other part, and I'm going off on a slight tangent. One of the things that really bothers me about our, our penal system and incarceration, that we could go into a whole conversation on that, but the one thing that bothers me the most about is when people are put on probation, they're not allowed to leave the city, the town, the state they're, they're from. So you're stuck in the same environment with the same triggers of the people. You can't start fresh somewhere else, new habits, and I think it's really detrimental. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so, so we, we also need to make sure that when we're trying to instill new habits, that we're, we're uh, in a better environment, a better place with better people around better people who support us rather than pull us back into those, those negative places we don't want to go to again. Yeah. No, it was essential
1: for me when I got out of prison in uh, 2004, I knew I couldn't go back to El Paso, Texas. So that would be a death trap for me. That's Thank There you me. go. Yeah. Thankfully, yeah. at that point, my family had moved back to Colorado and I was able to kind of get some fresh canvas that way. But a um, couple more questions on leadership. I don't want to take all of your time. Do you got no, to respect good, man.
0: I I'm good. I'm having fun. So let's keep going. Yeah,
1: no, that's good, man. Uh, so back to leadership, man. I read something in the uh, notes that you had on your website that 50% of leaders are incompetent and failing. Why do you say that?
0: The research. I'm not saying that the research says that. So, so I'm, or why does the research say that? So, so the, the training, the leadership and training industry is a multi-billion dollar industry. Right. Mm -hmm. But the problem is, is it's too much focused on the entertainment aspects of it. He was a great speaker. It was a great training program, but not, Hey, are we measuring the results, the efficacy after the fact? Okay. Because, so so there's because there's no accountability for the people who are leaders whether or not there's training let's say there's there's some training that's done but what is the follow-up where's the accountability Mm -hmm. there's one company that i knew that that uh, they used to do what's called 360 reviews right so the people above you review you and the people who are your subordinates um you know colleagues i hate to use the word support but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um review you right and and then you get a it's anonymous and you get a 360 degree picture of, of who you are as a leader and, and what have you and the company i guess the boston like the results that he got so they did away with it
1: oh well <laughs>
0: right? so, so so most leadership is ineffective from the standpoint of and, you know and this is i looked at a lot of research and from the standpoint of metrics of re- employee retention okay right? Are you losing people quickly? That's a bad sign, right? Mm -hmm. As compared to whatever your industry standard is, Uh, um, productivity with regards to a a goal accomplishment, maintaining safety, um, all those things, uh, if, if you use that as a measure, right? So, so employee retention, productivity, safety, all those things, 50% of the companies that were, that were researched or studied, uh, were failing. I mean, the leaders were failing abysmally. Right. I mean, abysmally. And, and part of that goes back to the, the failure of understanding what leadership is because we've not, we're, we're not taught leadership in school. Mm-hmm. Most of us have exposure to leadership maybe when we're in the military. But, but, but even that's a mixed bag because when I was in the military, there were some leaders that I thought were fantastic and some that were just knuckleheads you know, one step above, you know, uh, someone. you know, I shouldn't bag on the DMV, but um, just, you know, my experience in the military was that there were, there were two groups of people. It was really weird for me. Again, this is my experience. So I don't, that's not, that doesn't speak to all the branches and what have you, but there were, I served with some of the finest people in the world, just top-notch, serious, fantastic people and leaders in their own right. And conversely, some of the most abysmally ignorant, lazy people I've ever met in my life. Where I served, there seemed to be no middle ground. Um, but we don't train leadership. We don't teach leadership. But here's the most important part. There are really very few companies that put in real world metrics for accountability of leaders.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, because if, if in, our, in, in our world of like, especially publicly trade companies and it's going, you know, quarterly profits, monthly profits, yearly profits. If that is the only measure, then it, it it opens itself up to having some psychopaths just run, just destroy lives so they can hit their quarterly goals and get their bonuses. But destroying everyone in their wake. That's not good leadership.
1: Yeah. No, we're blessed where I'm at. We have a, uh... We have a good leadership team because you can tell um, that people care about the person, you know, like everybody on our team is real approachable. You know, I feel like I can go to people at work that are in leadership and bear my soul, so to speak, and uh, even share my faults and things that you wouldn't normally go to a boss and tell them about, you know what I mean? Because everybody's trying to keep their best foot forward and their best face shining. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I really appreciate that. And the reason I'm asking a lot of this, it almost seems like we're bouncing back and forth between leadership and the whole discipline impulsivity thing, which is good. I'm perfectly okay with it. So I got a couple more questions that are actually going to bounce back and forth between sure. those two topics because they're, they're,
0: know you, you see the overlap; they're inter- interconnected.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So for people aspiring to leadership roles or people that are already in them. What would you say is a clear cut process for developing loyalty in your team?
0: So, so Xenophon who was um, an ancient Greek uh, soldier historian and mercenary uh, wrote about this and, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but, but one of the things he said about leadership was they, they carry the same weight, the same burdens, they're exposed to the same heat the same cold they sleep on the same hard ground right okay um there was a carthaginian general named hannibal hannibal barca right Mm -hmm. most people only know him about oh yeah that's a dude who took the elephants over the swiss alps and you know and you know uh, harassed uh, rome for 10 years um and hannibal was was one of those guys at the time where when generals would have their own tents with the fireplace inside, you know, the, 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 the beautiful tents with the, with the fur lined floors and, and the fire pit and all that, he slept on the ground with his troops. Yeah. He ate the same food as his, as his troops. And, and what's interesting about Hannibal was that he had a, a multinational army, but most importantly, they were all volunteers. I mean, at any given point, someone could say, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's one thing when you're, you're it's in the military uh, and you have to stay there because you signed a four or six year contract, you ain't going nowhere. Or you're at a company where you're like, shit, this is the only job in town. I can't afford to lose this job. But, but to be a leader like Hannibal was where it was a pure voluntary mercenary army and he earned the respect because he slept on the same ground, he ate the same food and he was leading the charge in battles. Mm-hmm. He was right. at the front. Yeah, and and in a modern day example of that would be uh, General Hal Moore. Most of us were exposed to him uh, in the movie uh, "We Were Soldiers Once and Young" with uh, Mel Gibson, right? And uh, General Moore was his thing was my feet will be the first feet off the chopper into battle, and I'll be the last one getting back on the chopper at the end, mm-hmm. and that's who he was. He, he was, he was that guy leading from the front. And that's, that's a, that's a tremendous way of building loyalty.
1: Yeah. I like that. Man. As far as um, building something, whether it's a business or a family, or even for some of the listeners that may be single and they're building their own life. This will be a two-part question. I saw in your notes, something that said having clearness of vision um, prior so to building yeah, yeah
0: doing, cl- uh, clearness of vision
1: prior to building. I think
0: that's yeah. what it said. Yeah, it was. Uh, cl- cl- clearness of vision precedes clarity of thought. Clearness okay. of vision precedes clarity of thought. So, so, in order to, to get to where you're going, you have to be able to envision it. It has to be a clear vision, right? And then once you have that vision, then it leads to all right. Now let me think about how to get there. What are the steps? Okay. to get there. And that's, you know, someone much smarter than me said that that there's three eyes of leadership. Uh, It's insight, integrity, and inspiration. Right. And, you know, the insight means being able to see something that maybe the rest of your team or organization or your family cannot see a vision, a place that you want to take them as a leader. Mm -hmm. You want to help get them. and, and, you know, a good leader makes sure that there's something in it for everyone. There's a win, there's there's an individual win mm-hmm. and there's the the group win or team win or family win. What one of the things that 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 throws companies or organizations or teams astray is that there's a, a group win, or maybe the leader wins, but the but the team loses or gets no benefit. Right. So 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 when there's been research on a new strategic um, initiatives in a corporation, and we're talking from like, you know, Fortune 500 companies all the way down to like small companies. When there's a street strategic initiative, most of the time they'll fail because there's a mismatch between the the overarching corporate goal or the organizational goal and the individual goal. Mm-hmm. I've seen that firsthand. So you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, not where I work now,
1: but at the last company I was at, it was, a, it was corporate, it was really big, you know, multiple offices in different states. And, like, seemed just like corporate wasn't at ground zero with us, and in the trenches and seeing what we were dealing with. And uh, it was almost like we were just in survival from day to day. And, you know, they didn't realize that we needed certain equipment, or, you know, that, just so many different variables that were involved. Like there was no connection between the top and the bottom. I guess yeah. which leads into the next question, which is having, which is you know the second part of the of the question I just asked. Having clearness of vision, you know, prior to building a family or a business or yourself um, for business and family, how essential is it that you communicate that vision with the people you're trying to uh, inspire, and how do you what are some practical steps to um, share that vision with the people that you're trying to
0: bring with you on this journey to success? That That's part of being a good communicator, right? Okay. And part, part of being a good communicator is creating a vision. John F. Kennedy was talking about going a 10-year goal to get to the moon, mm. right? Yeah. Great speech, which was like, what is he... I mean, you think about, you know, this is back when we had like, you know, glass tube computers and, and, mm-hmm. you know, most of the calculations were done longhand with a pencil and right. But, but that, that, that it has to be a big vision, a big goal. And, and so for that vision that the JFK set forth to land on the moon which you know was basically to, sh- to stick it to the Soviet right? The Soviets said, hey, American way of life is better, what have you, but it was a beautiful vision of something bigger. It was something that that, that everyone could aspire to support. It was bigger than just your individual self, right? right. So there's, there's, there's the individual win, what does that look like? What is your life, what does it look, if you can give a vision to the individual what their life is going to be if you all, the company, the team, the family achieves their goal, what does the life look like for the individual? Because there's too much emphasis on the, the, the organizational goal achievement, the, the team goal achievement. But what about the individual goal? Here's where leadership falls astray quite a bit. The leader will move heaven and hell and and, and push his team to achieve whatever the, the, their goal is, whether it's a corporate bonus or he gets stock options or she gets stock, extra stock options or bigger package or bigger salary, but there's no win for the individuals on the team. And, right. and and so to 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 get to the CEO's goal, for example, he he lays waste to people because he's working them to death or making unrealistic aspirational goals, short-term goals, quarterly goals, what have. you. He doesn't care because his goals are at odds with the goals of the individual. Yeah, right. There was an interesting thing about about the way people were rewarded in ancient times. and, and again, I'm not saying that they were better. They certainly weren't. But, but there were some things that were interesting where, where uh, Julius Caesar um, and actually and, and uh, Alexander the Great were the ancient sources said they did something that was very interesting. If if a soldier exemplified themselves in combat, right? Imagine getting, imagine you did a project, a massive project, and you were given 10 years salary as a reward. Mm-hmm. Right? Julius Caesar did that. Alexander the Great did that 10 to 15 years salary of a soldier's salary. All at once. Boom. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Motivated the hell out of everyone else. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I mean, we're talking about, oh man, I'm hoping I get a 7% raise this year to offset inflation.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When, right? Now, Grant, we're not fighting for our lives and there's risk death. So this is a very extreme example. Mm-hmm. But... But if the vision of whether it was 10, 15 years salary or a big plot of land, when you got back home, if you if you won the, the war, that's a hell of a motivator. So you have to paint a picture of, all right, guys, you're gonna be working overtime and it's gonna suck. And this is why it's gonna suck. But this is why we're gonna do it. And this is how it's gonna benefit you, the individual, right? Self-interest. You have to appeal to self-interest, otherwise, you just feel like you're a cog in the machine, and the machine doesn't give a shit about you. How hard are you going to work for that? Yeah, excellent. Absolutely, I like that, man.
1: Um, What should leaders be doing during the quiet season? Because I know there's seasons when, you know, we're beating the streets. We're we got we got our sales team out there bringing new clients in. We got our production team out there servicing existing clients. We've got, you know, machinery falling apart. Study. (laughs) Study. I love it. Yeah. So when the the fire when the fire and the hell end and there's actually a quiet season, what should leaders be doing? You're saying study, sharpen your sword, prepare for the next run of hellfire.
0: Yeah.
1: How do they do that? What's a good way to do that? obviously you said study you lifted up my beautiful book there i appreciate you getting that.
0: You, how far into it are you bro i just started man i i, oh, love, okay. I, I love i love i love your origin story i mean you're just that's why i'm here by because yeah. i was inspired by you i'm inspired by you i appreciate um, that bro yeah just deep deeply yeah deeply moved by you and inspired and, and oh, hit me hard man um yeah, i try to be real transparent in that book yeah.
1: and i think that's uh oh i gotta ask you not now i got you now i got you on uh <laughs> Like yes. I guess you captured now, so I'm gonna put you on the spot, bro. Do you think you would be willing to leave a review on Amazon when you're done reading it?
0: Hell yeah, dude! Awesome, I, cool. I give you five star, absolutely, bro. Yeah. Well,
1: only yeah. if it's only if it's worth it. I mean, I don't want any. Uh, I don't want anything. Not yeah, base,
0: so. baseball. what I read so far, it's worth it. Yeah, um, awesome. but but to, but to get to get back to your question, y- you know, the, the time to prepare is always now. Yeah. Right. So if you have some downtime. You, you know, I'm, I'm looking at a stack of books here that I'm I'm going back to that I'm reading. Um I'm fixing to start 48 Laws of Power. That's a good one, yeah. So like like you know, I'm rereading this one, right? And I'm not this I'm not pitching this. I don't know this guy. I just think it's a really good book on strategic okay. thinking, right? Okay. Um and 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 I'm also I always read like two or three books at the same time, right? Okay. Right? So so I'm reading so I'm reading your book, that book, and and this book, right?
1: Okay. Nice.
0: And so, it's it's if you have some downtime, it's study, exercise, feed your brain, feed your soul. You know, I, I was talking with um, a great guy who I've known for a long time. He's a leader for for another tech company, and he he was basically an aspiring rock star before he met the love of his life and realized that there's no way to you know travel across the world or whatever it was never not going to work with his woman. So he gave it up and got into sales and technology but he loves playing his guitar with some dudes and they jam out like, you know, whenever they can
2: Mm
0: -hmm. three other dudes. And and so that feeds his soul. He's a musician and that, you know, so when he's got some downtime, yeah, he'll, he'll, you know, Hey man, let's see if we can go jam somewhere. Is there, is there a band, you know, is there a little bar we can just play Shit, down with the pails? We just want to jam. Right. Okay. Um, For me, I, you know, I, I like to schedule some, some obstacle course races, um, you know, because that, that, there's something about the camaraderie being a bunch of other people were suffering together. I know it's, it's right. so stupid. Um, it, it's, it's whatever feeds your soul, whatever recharges you. And it's unique to everyone. It's sure. unique to everyone. So study, work out the, 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 fitness you, you, I don't believe you can be a great leader unless you're in some kind of good physical condition. Okay. Be, because we talked about, we talked about how your, your brain utilizes, you know, to a quarter of the glucose and oxygen that your body takes in. Right. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, the better you are in cardiovascular condition, uh, the better your brain's going to function, mm-hmm. right? The better, the, the cleaner the food you eat. And by the way, I love a good pizza and some beers and whatever, and you know, what have you, but generally speaking that, that that's not downtime per se, but it's a matter of just realizing that when you have a chance, when things slow down, feed your soul, Make sure you're exercising because because when uh, when I'm training hard, um, it takes a toll on me that I it, that I can't give as much to work. Right? right. So if my workload, to your point, if my workload's pulled back a little bit, then I can run six miles and and do my do my you know climbing walls and obstacle course training all that stuff because I can give a little bit more to that. Yeah. But it's, it's up to the individual, but the studying has to be constant. And if you've got, and, and to your point, by the way, when when work is exceptionally crazy, I, I will go weeks where I'm not reading at all. I don't like that. Right. But I get to a point where I'm brain dead by the time my day is over. Sure. Yeah. That You know, I'll do my 20 minutes, you know, before dinner of, of just calming myself and centering myself, right? Mm. Um, and, and, and I'll actually take a, a, a lukewarm shower. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is, but there's something about 20 minutes of centering yourself, you know, some meditation. I take a lukewarm shower real quick. that just clears me out.
1: Yeah. Okay. So I'm hearing study and self-care, whatever self-care looks like
0: for you. Self-care is really important because we, we tend, especially, especially the, the higher up you get up to the food chain and leadership position. Most of your job is solving problems. And that takes a lot of cognitive stress on you in my job. I lead a national sales team for a tech company. By the time the decisions come to me, all the easy choices are off the table. So no matter what decision I make, I'm gonna piss somebody off. I'm gonna piss ah, off okay. a partner, I'm gonna piss off a distributor, I'm gonna piss off one of my regional sales guys. So, so you're 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 dealing with 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 some really hard decision making so that when that's going on, when it's crazy busy, and usually it's like end of the quarter, end of the year, I'm brain dead. Yeah, there's no, there's not a lot of self-care for me. And, and most leaders, there won't be. So when you do have that downtime where it slows down, yeah, self care, feed your soul, study, do some things, spend a little more time with your family, yeah, or, whome- or whomever you you care for, whoever that is, doesn't, you know, family isn't necessarily blood. Um, do all those things because that that gets you ready for the next battle or the next surge. Right, which leads us into the next question. So
1: study and self care during the slow seasons, just to recharge. But when the hell seasons come, when it's difficult and stress and workload is up and it's intense. Going off this um, quote or this story from about Colonel James Rowe, how does one stay focused through hell? And can you explain that that whole Colonel James Rowe thing and how one stays focused when it's hellfire and and busy?
0: Yes. So there's there's um, so colonel Rowe was um green beret in vietnam he was uh captured and spent five years in, in uh, a couple pow camps uh just hellacious hellacious conditions um and he, one of the things that kept him going is he had he had something to go home to and he never ever gave up faith that he was going to achieve that goal of getting home right mm. that's that's huge to have the. Yeah, you know what is uh, Victor Frankel who, who uh, him and his sister were the only survivors of con- Nazi concentration camp um, and he who has a white can bear anyhow, right almost anyhow. He mm-hmm. who has a white can bear almost anyhow. Um, you know and, and, he, and he goes on to saying this this ties into Colonel Rowe and because he said it, it's basically the same thing. People can, can, can torture you, can enslave you, can beat you, can starve you, but they can't choose how you respond internally, Mm -hmm. right? You own that. So so the ability to say, fuck you, I'm not giving you that control over me to make me give up faith and lose faith. There's a story um, uh, that that Colonel Rowe wrote about in his book, Five Years to Freedom, where he was, uh, there's a, a cell Prison mate, another POW, who uh, essentially you know they kept thinking, oh, we're going to get rescued by, uh, we're going to get rescued by, uh, I think it was by, by Easter, and then Easter came and went, and 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 this fellow Greenberg just got a little his energy waned, and then it was they're going to come up Christmas, we're going to be home by Christmas, and he was living for that, right, and then Christmas came and went, and then his energy waned, and at one point uh, Colonel Rowan, the story talks about how just one day the guy just basically gave up and just died. He just gave up and died mm-hmm. and, and and they were both in the exact same circumstance eating the same amount of calories and the crappy little bowl of rice and the crappy rotting fish right but but the intention was different he just lost hope he lost hope of reaching that destination of getting back home because it kept being pushed out further and further and further you have to have something that makes life worth living right mm-hmm. I, I you know and that's a lot of words to say you know, why, what is your, why?
1: Yeah.
0: Is it your family? Is it you? Is it, is it a goal? Is it something bigger than yourself? Whatever it is, that's, that's individual. Mm-hmm. But if you have that and you hold on to it, that propels you to keep going because when They're you lose hard. it, or if it's, if it's not strong enough, if it's not strong enough, it's not, whatever your, your why is, isn't compelling. You just give up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I like that, man. Know your why. I had a podcast guest on a couple months ago. It's a guy recovering uh, from a serious porn addiction. And uh, he said, if you don't know your why, why you want to let a toxic habit go, you'll, you'll fall prey. You'll fall victim again. And, you know, um, knowing your why is essential. And I think the danger with being so busy and under so much stress often is it begins to cloud your why. And I think that meditative place, that 20 minutes in the evening, that few minutes in the morning is a good time to reflect and remind oneself of why they're going so hard and why yeah. they're investing so much. You know, I have a beautiful family. My kids are blessed to be able to go to a nice private school. Nice. We just bought a nice house. Like, Congratulations. You know, my wife um, just started her master's degree a couple months ago, and we have a wife. You know, we know why we're fighting and working so hard because you sacrifice in the grind. You yeah. know, sometimes I say, you know what, if I worked at uh, you know, McDonald's or something like that, I'd be home by four every night. I'd never miss a basketball game. I'd never miss a recital. But I know what I would trade for that. I'd be back um, back in 2015. My wife and I were living in an RV in squalor, you know, and 2016 was the year that I got serious about digging deep. And building for myself what I call uh, with full pride an amazing life. You know, obviously I'm not where I want to be, but when you compare it to where we were, um, like I don't I, I couldn't see myself going back to that, bro, because even though I'm sacrificing time now and uh sacrificing intimacy and connection with family and these different things, uh, I remember the tears in my wife's eyes when we'd sit down and do the bills, you know, every two weeks on payday. And, you know, there was just enough to not have enough. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's just about finding balance and knowing why. I, I like that. Uh, Derek, one last question before we get into how people can, like, uh, connect with you and stuff like that, if they want to look yeah. into more of your, uh, you know, social media, post your book and all that stuff. But how do leaders create a winning team? And I know we've kind of touched on some of this already. Yeah. Questions, But let's let's really hone it in. And, and
0: pin it down on how leaders can create a winning team. Well, we we, we start with that, the overarching why. Why are we here? Where are we doing this? What is the end goal, right? Yeah. As, a, as a unit, what is the individual win? Yeah. And then it comes down to, and Vince Lombardi was really good at this, right? So uh, if you're a football fan, if you're not a football fan, uh, Vince Lombardi was a football coach uh, in the 1960s of the Green Bay Packers. And he took over what essentially was a, a a losing team. They were just in really bad shape to the point that uh, there was talk about dissolving the team permanently. They were that bad. Wow. Right. And so what ended up happening was he he came in and instituted that discipline. And um, when when he was interviewed as a new head coach of the Green Bay Packers, a journalist said, "You know, Mr. Lombardi, how are you going to do that? Turn this team around? right? What are you going to do? Are you going to do something different?" And he says, "No, we're not going to do anything different." we're going to become brilliant on the basics. We're going to be the best in the national football league at kicking, running, passing. And that's what he focused on.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. When the team has a why, then you become, you focus on what are the basics that we need to be brilliant on? Because we get too, too mired into the details of things that aren't important, right? We get mired into the uh, what's called the, um, uh, the, the the trivial many versus the precious few. Yes, right? yes. And and so, what are the basics that that lead to that greatness as a team, as a unit, as an organization, and become brilliant on that? Because if you execute on those things brilliantly, I assure you that your team will lead and go to greatness. Right. So get bri- brilliant execution
1: on the fundamentals, and once that's established. Then you can branch out and get into the many, so to speak, or to the details.
0: Right? It's it's the, the yeah because we get we get there's this there's this ever there's this we have this affinity for complexity in the modern world, right? Right. And what we need to remember is you need to go back to the basics again. The 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 the, 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 the precious few, right, versus a trillion many, and be brilliant from the basics, and maybe start subtracting some things. Cause yeah. we're always adding new procedures, new protocols and this, but it's like, Hey, all right. So we're going to add this procedure, but what are we going to take away? What are we mm-hmm. going to subtract so we can focus mm-hmm. on what's critical, what's right. important? Because there's a few critical things that will help get you to your goal. I'm big. Again, I mentioned I'm big on obstacle course races and the Spartan races and the tough mutters and all that stuff. And the basics it's grip strength. Yeah hand over hand type stuff right because that's Mm -hmm. where you end up you fall off you're doing 30 burpees those suck I hate burpees um Mm -hmm. some basic cardiovascular strength Mm -hmm. and and hill running right the rest the rest is detail of of what you're getting into Mm -hmm. but but if you get those basics down you're going to be okay in a basic spartan race grip strength solid foundation of of cardio and be able to run up some steep ass hills I've seen too many people with complex training rituals and regimens I'm like no man you're making it over you're gonna screw right. yourself yeah no as
1: you say that bro
0: there's like four or five things that I can think of right off the top of my head
1: that are absolute fundamentals like if I mentioned them in a business meeting um, people would probably look at me and go like oh, why, why are you even mentioning that you know what I mean why are you talking about dribbling and passing you know what I mean, like but, why but, you,
0: like. but but it's critical because 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 <laughs> yeah. what, what's funny is so Vince Lombardi, who went you know led the team to what I think it's two Super Bowls if I recall, mm. two or three Super Bowls, unfortunately he, he died of colon cancer. But um, uh, he would start each season would he would hold up a football and say, gentlemen, this is a football, mm. Brilliant from the basics. And uh, coach uh, coach John Wooden, who was called uh the the was it um the Wizard of Oh, the Wizard of Westwood, right? He was a basketball coach of UCLA, led them to 10 NCAA championships. Now, wrap your brain around this. If any of you have worked with teenagers, right, mm. that every few years, he's got a batch of undisciplined teenagers, or 18, 19 coming in as freshmen, and to mold them again and again into these seasoned professionals, and, um, and I forgot the number, but he had a, a, an extreme amount of them end up going to the NBA to become professionals but uh he was he was very big on the basics mm-hmm. this is gonna sound silly he would actually the beginning of the season he would show them how to put their socks on and make sure the seam was across their toes a certain way so as not to get blisters yeah he would make sure that they tied their shoelaces a certain way so that the shoes wouldn't come untied during a game in a critical moment right right mm-hmm. To think that someone would do something like that to, to, you know, someone's who are 18, 19, 20, 21, or, or what, you, this very crazy old man's gonna teach me to put on socks. <laughs> yeah. But there's the fundamentals that all come into play and we get too busy with the latest, greatest, this technique right. and this computer app or that. And we're like, no, 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 what are the basics? What are the fundamentals? And be brilliant on those. Yeah, no,
1: my boss uh, listens to my podcasts on occasion. And I've already been hyping this one up, you know, cause I knew it was going to be on leadership. So I know he's going to check it out and I'm pretty sure I'm going to get, I'm going to get a phone call. Hey, Hey, what are those four or five fundamentals you think we need to work on? You know, <laughs> good. Yeah, no, it's good, man. Yeah. Just a little thing, simple things, but um, Derek, this has been fantastic, bro. Tons of good nuggets. Um, I've been blessed and encouraged by it. Absolutely. I know the audience yeah. will uh, love to have you come back on again in the future. If that's yeah. Your- yeah,
0: absolutely. Let's do it. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, is just as we close up here, how can people connect with you? Um, Obviously, I've seen your stuff on social media, TikTok in different places, but maybe check out some of your YouTube videos where you've done speaking engagements, check out your book, check out your social media sites and all that. How do people connect with you?
0: Yeah, you know, I think the easiest one would be uh, just just they can go to um, on Instagram. It's at hardcore leaders. Okay. At hardcore leaders. That's an easy one. Uh, on TikTok, it's um, I, I just put at uh, it's, it's Derek Wellington Johnson, uh, okay. my, my full name. And and that's a good place to start. Or you can email me at, uh, at uh, Derek at DerekWjohnson.com. So it's Derek Delta Echo Ranger Echo Kilo uh, at uh, DerekWjohnson.com.
1: Awesome. Cool, man. Well, this has been really good, man. I appreciate you taking the time on Sunday to throw down the knowledge. Go down the good stuff, man, and uh, yeah. As soon as I get it published, I'll send you the link and whatnot, and then please we'll do. have that that way. And I appreciate you getting the book and all that stuff and uh, your feedback on your positive feedback on that. I hope it's a to you.
0: You're doing great. Keep doing it. Be easy. Be nicer to yourself. Can you do that, please? Yeah,
1: yeah. I need to get better at that for sure. Yeah. Please be I'm nicer to our own selves. Yeah.
0: Yes, be be nicer to yourself. Like I said earlier, life is going to kick us in the balls left and right. Mm. don't do it to yourself be be nicer to yourself appreciate yourself love yourself acknowledge the great things you've done
1: yeah
0: right show yourself yeah. some compassion yeah I like it good
1: yep yep absolutely you, bro
0: yeah you're an amazing human being blown away by you you're an yeah. amazing human being keep doing what you're doing and yeah it's not always easy and to your point and, and I wanted to, to, to the last thing is you mentioned seasons right we live in a four-season world we're four season humans. It's okay. Sometimes you're going to have to struggle through a winter, but you realize there's a spring coming mm-hmm. right here in the desert. We're just starting to get things blossoming again. Right. But if you looked at it a month two months ago, you're like, man, there's nothing here. It's dead. There's no life. No, there's all this life. You are just in the depths of winter. Just wait. Spring's coming. Awesome.
1: I love it, man. Good deal, bro. I appreciate you, man. Yep. Appreciate I'll reach out you. soon. I'll stay in touch,
0: man. Thank you. Please do. Thank you. Appreciate it. Bye, -bye, man. Hey,
2: guys. Just wanted to put a quick plug in for the book. Very happy to announce the release of Apex Masculinity, Defeat Self-Sabotage, Reclaim True Manhood. It's available at Amazon, available on Barnes and Nobles, anywhere books are sold. And I just wanted to go over what the topics include so you guys can get a well-rounded idea of what this book has to offer you topics include the awakening moment that moment when we realize that the man that we've been up to this point is no longer serving us or the people that we claim to love and care for also building self-awareness muscles teaching us how to properly carry ourselves in a culture where masculinity is under constant assault Also, understanding self-limiting belief systems and how to eradicate them once and for all. Understanding self-sabotage, what it is, where it started, and how to stop throwing that hand grenade into your lap over and over again. Helping you understand the real reasons why some of you use drugs, excessively drink, and binge watch pornography. Also, understanding how childhood trauma affects our ability to succeed in life. Listen, it's not your fault how it got started, but it is now your responsibility to take complete ownership of the man that you have become and begin the process of reforming yourself. Under taking the necessary steps to rebuild a mired reputation, it's time to start regaining the trust and the respect that you deserve. Quite honestly, the trust and the respect that maybe the way you carried yourself in the past denied you. Also understanding leadership and influence, guys, the world needs you. Now more than ever does the world need Apex Men, more than you realize. There's tips and tactics and strategies on building an epic marriage, one overflowing with real connection, passion and intimacy. Also, building a parenting strategy that will develop and launch your children towards a greater success in life. Your kids need you to invest in them so that they can be head and shoulders above everyone else that's being launched into the world. Also understanding triggers for relapse and impulsive decision making and how to mitigate those triggers on the front side before we make toxic choices. Also, how to build a living legacy. One that's worthy of respect and admiration. Also, understanding the neural pathways of the brain, how they connect to the ether around us, and understanding the law of attraction and how to use gratitude and courage to create limitless opportunities for success. Guys, this book is jam packed with tons of helpful strategies, tips, and tactics on how to go from being the toxic substandard man that we've been, and I say that with love and respect, to the epic apex man that exists inside each of us that's just waiting to come out. Guys, I'd love to get this book into your hands. Again, it's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and anywhere books are sold.